Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. I recently had the honor of overlooking a few chapters of a book that's to be written. I'm not sure how far along he is, but it's to be published by Steve Dittmore, an author of a book about Nashville's Jim Jr. Gillum. I often refer to him as one of Nashville's baseball favorite sons. And I think it'll be a great book, and I can't wait till it's published and read more about Junior Gillum. You know, we remember special tributes to baseball players who have had their numbers retired by their ball clubs. Did you know the first number retired in the majors was Lou Gehrig's number four in 1939? You may remember that Gehrig contracted ALS, which is often referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease. And in tribute in honor of Lou Gehrig, the Yankees decided to retire number four. And since then, they've retired many, many numbers. Now, there's a number retired by all franchises, which is number 42. And each April the 15th, since 2009, Every major league player and coach wears number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson, who in 1947 broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball. It's the only time number 42 is worn in Major League Baseball. That's kind of a sideline, a little tidbit to choosing numbers. Did you know Roberto Clemente chose number 21 because it's how many letters are in his full name? Roberto Clemente Walker. And the smallest number... I'm not sure. It's not officially retired. It just was only worn once in one game, in one at bat. As a publicity stunt in 1951, Maverick St. Louis Browns owner Bill Veck sent three-foot, seven-inch dwarf Eddie Goodell to the plate with number one-eighth on his uniform. Now, Goodell walked on four pitches and was replaced by a pinch runner and never had another at bat. And as far as I know, nobody's ever worn number one-eighth before. Here's a couple of other tidbits about numbers. Joe DiMaggio began his career wearing number nine. We know he, his number five was retired by the Yankees. And Mickey Mantle wore number six. And Willie Mays wore number 14 before they donned those familiar numbers. DiMaggio, five. Mantle, seven. And Willie Mays, 24. Well, my whole reason for bringing that up is there's a connection to junior Jim Gillum, which I think is a great tribute to him. And it says an awful lot. When on October the 10th, 1978, uniform number 19 was retired by the Los Angeles Dodgers two days after Junior Gillum passed away. It was a game prior to game one of the 1978 World Series. Now, his number, I've done this wrong before. I've said this incorrectly before. His number is one of two retired by the Dodgers of a player not in the Hall of Fame. And the other one is Fernando Valenzuela, although... Valenzuela is in the Mexican Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Junior Gillum. He was born in Nashville in 1928, and he was a 21-year-old member of the Baltimore Elite Giants of the old Negro National League when his contract was purchased by the Dodgers. Prior to that, he played for the Nashville Black Vols in 1945. But he spent two years at Montreal honing his skills before breaking into the Dodger lineup on opening day in 1953. And as a Dodger second baseman that year, the five foot 10, 170 pound Gillum, who threw right handed but learned to hit from both sides of the plate, set a major league rookie record with 100 walks, led the National League with 17 triples, 
scored a career-high 125 runs, and was named Rookie of the Year. What is often overlooked is that he displaced Hall of Famer Jackie Robinson at second base that season. And in 1956, 1957, and 1959, he finished second to Willie Mays in stolen bases. Now, Gillum played 14 seasons in Brooklyn and Los Angeles and appeared in seven World Series. Maury Wills credited the self-sacrifice and discipline of Gillum, who hit behind him in the lineup with allowing him to break the all-time stolen base record. Gillum was respected by his teammates for his work ethic and character, and here's what a few of his fellow Dodgers had to say about him. His manager, Walt Alston, said this, He didn't hit with power, but he did the little things to win ball games. He never griped or complained, and he was one of the most unselfish ballplayers I know. Catcher Jeff Torborg, what a great team player he was, he said. He'd hit behind Maury, take pitch after pitch, and when Maury got to second, he'd give himself up by hitting the ball to the right side, even with two strikes, which most hitters won't do. And then Davey Lopes said, a father, a friend, and locker room inspiration who will never be forgotten. Though playing on a star-studded squad, no one developed his natural skills more than junior or was more important to the success of his championship teams. Now, Gillum was reared by his grandmother after his father died when he was only six months old. And the youngster began playing softball at age seven and was playing on a Sandlot baseball team named the Crawfords at age 14. He quit during his last year of school to sign with Paul Jones's Nashville Black Balls for $150 a month. And after that year, he broke in with the Black Major Leagues in 1946 at age 17 as a reserve infielder. He says he was given his nickname by manager George Scales in 1947 when he was trying out at Sulphurdale in Nashville. And Gillum was having trouble hitting right-handers, and Scales yelled, Hey, Junior, get over on the other side of the plate. And both the advice and the nickname stuck. The youngster's arm was not considered strong enough for him to play third base, and he was moved to second. Both changes paid dividends, and in 1947, he succeeded Sammy Hughes as the Baltimore Elite Giants' regular second baseman and formed an excellent double play combination with Pee Wee Butts during the closing years of the Negro Leagues. Now, the youngster was still growing when he debuted in the Negro National League, and although small, he was quick and had good speed, making him an accomplished base stealer and a good fielder, albeit with only an average arm. The infielder was a smart player with great desire and had a good eye at the plate, hitting 253 in his first full season with the Eli Giants. The next year, he improved to 302 before dropping back to 265 in 1950, but his efforts ended his selection to the East All-Star squad during his last three years in the league, 1948, 1949, and 1950. And after the inevitable breakup of the Negro Leagues, the young prospect became a Dodger. After retiring as an active player, the popular longtime Dodger became a coach for the team, a position he held until his death in 1978, only one week short of his 50th birthday on October the 8th, 1978, in Inglewood, California. Now, on May 21st, 2015, the Nashville Metro Council passed an ordinance renaming a part of Jackson Street between 2nd Avenue and just beyond 5th Avenue to 
Junior Gillum Way. The center part of this stretch, named for Gillum, is the location of Nashville's first Horizon Park, the home of the Nashville Sounds, and rightfully so. In 1995, Gillum was honored with induction into the Tennessee Baseball Hall of Fame. I think he'll always be a true inspiration. He left a proud legacy of dignity and excellence on and off the diamond. Well, in honor of Black History Month and in tribute to Jim Gillum, I'm looking forward to Steve Dittmore's book. I think it'll be terrific, and I applaud him for writing it and putting that together. It'll be a masterpiece, I'm sure. If you'd like to know more about Nashville's baseball history, Negro League's history, certainly write to me at 262downright at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'm always grateful that you listen in. And let's honor the Negro Leagues by remembering some of those teams and players, and especially one of Nashville baseball's favorite sons, Negro Leaguer, Major Leaguer, Tennessee State Hall of Famer, retired number 19, Junior Jim Gillum. <laughs>